Welcome to Liz Collin Reports. On the podcast, a personal story of abortion heartbreak and regret recited to Minnesota lawmakers. And this abortion nearly killed me. I nearly hemorrhaged to death. Years later, I still had survivor's guilt, shame. Brenda Mann-Archiquet testified Tuesday in St. Paul against a radical abortion bill moving quickly through the state capitol. The Minnesota DFL is fast-tracking a bill through the legislature that would protect what they call a woman's fundamental right to abort her baby for any reason up to the moment of birth. Mann-Archiquet was one of many women who candidly told the committee to vote against it. She joins me today to explain why. Brenda, thank you for being on. Thank you for having me, Liz. As I said, your story is full of heartbreak. You've had three abortions, and now you're basically trying to save other women, you've said, from the pain and trauma that you've experienced. Just just explain uh, your story. What happened to you? Liz, when I was 17, I was raped and drugged by my boss, a man that I knew, a man that I encountered every day. And I became pregnant. And I was scared, alone, terrified. I had no means to support a child. And I thought the best thing would do was to have an abortion. However, I had confided with my pastor about what to do. And he kept saying and urging me that I could have the child because the child did not belong to me, it belonged to God. And despite his advice, I went to the abortion clinic. However, on seven different occasions, on seven different times, for some reason, I know the reason, but God had intervened. The first time I went, my personal check was not accepted. The second was the credit card was declined. And there was just multiple other reasons besides protesters trying to keep me out of the building. And at the final time, a bomb actually went off in the clinic. And when I had to leave the clinic, I knew that it was just God telling me I needed to have this child. And I did. My mother had helped me raise my child. God always provided. He always made a way when there seemed to be no way. And it was after he was two years old that I meet somebody who um, turned out to be not who they represented themselves to be. A very charming man, a very handsome man with a very lucrative career. I had met one night and made the mistake of telling him where I lived. And he showed up at my door offering to cook me dinner. And upon letting him in my house, He invaded my home, he took over my home, he took over my possessions, he took over my car, he took over my bank account, and he took over my child. This man, he held me hostage, he held me captive in my own home. I was tied up with a telephone cord, remember telephone cord? (laughs) I was tied up with telephone cords and kept in a closet. I was raped by knife points. I was forced into trafficking. If I did not comply with what he said, he knew where my parents lived. He threatened to kill my family. He kept a knife to my throat, to my son's throat. 
I had thought of killing myself at the time to get out of what I was in, but I knew I had a child to take care of. I later became pregnant with this child. I did not want to have that baby growing inside me. I thought the only way I was going to get away from this man is if I murdered him. I had murder in my heart. However, I knew he was too big for me. He was too fast for me. And he was just way too evil. The thought, uh, I mean, the chances of me overtaking him with him having my child, I did not want that to be the demise of my child. So um, I stayed where I was to protect my child. I left with the clothes on my back, drove across country with my son and being pregnant. And I went across state hoping to find my family, the rest of my family, so I, I could heal and be safe and be away from him. And I went into unknown country because I had never left where I had been before, where I was, had been raised, excuse me. And then I had to deal with the pregnancy. And I didn't know what to do. Except that I felt like there was evil going inside of me. And my father, who did not want me to have ties to this man, encouraged me to have an abortion. He said that if I had the baby, I would be tied to that man for the rest of my life. Or the rest of the child's life. And that was the first time that I had seen my father cry. I did have the abortion. My brother actually took me to get my abortion. And despite the lies that the house and the media tell you, there is pain in an abortion regardless of anesthesia. I remember feeling the pain of being cut and scraped. It was so painful with anesthesia. I, I wound up flopping off the table. Brenda, you go on and have two more abortions after this just completely horrific um, period of your life that many of us, it's hard to even imagine. And, you know, just, just talking with you before, decades have passed but do you ever really get over making those uh, decisions? You said you've struggled so much with alcoholism. You were suicidal at one point. Uh, that pain never really went away. It doesn't go away. It's basically survivors, what they call survivors. I'm always wondering what might have been, how old my child would be, my children would be. And even though physically at the time I had no remorse, for having the abortion, it consumed me. And I took it on internally. And I did wind up drinking. I did wind up using drugs. I used sex as a weapon. I became very promiscuous. That's how I wound up with my other two abortions. And that is something else that abortion is not a contraceptive. And I was basically using it as a contraceptive because I did not have anything 
um, was being informed on what my choices are or um, being told the truth. And um, I did, uh, I developed eating disorders. I physically, mentally, emotionally, I shut down. It's not just the mother who struggles also, Brenda, but so many in your family also have because of this. Yes, grandparents especially. Um, that's what terrifies me about this bill, is, and that is, you know, parents are not going to be conformed or, or informed. Everything is going to be anonymous and kept confidential. And my parents grieve the loss of their grandchildren. My child had even asked me where, when his new brother was coming. You know, he wanted somebody to play with. And I had to explain to him that he wasn't coming. That was just more guilt, more shame. And it turned to self-hatred over time. So this Protect Reproductive Options, or PRO Act, it would guarantee a woman's fundamental right, as proponents call it, to abort her baby for any reason up to the moment of birth in Minnesota. When you first heard the details of the bill, Brenda, what went through your mind? First of all, I was completely nauseous. Um, I, I thought it was just penis, abominable, uh, just, I just thought it was pure evil. So if the bill becomes law, Minnesota would join just a handful of other states with no term restrictions um, on abortion. And now we've you know, heard the Republicans on the committee unsuccessfully attempt to amend the bill with a requirement for second and third trimester abortions to be performed in a hospital setting because of the increased risk of complications. But what do you make of that, that this was one of the top issues, not just for, for Minnesota vo- voters, but for people across the country this uh, November. What do you make of where we are um, as a country when it comes to that? First of all, not protecting the rights of the unborn that don't have a voice to speak to them for themselves, I think is just absolutely ludicrous. I think it's absolutely insane that there's no nothing to protect innocent children, baby children with underdeveloped frontal lobes make the decision to have an uninformed consent. They stay informed, but they're not telling the truth. And anyone who is a victim, any child that is a victim of incest, rape, molestation, um, can become pregnant and have their abductor take them to get a confidential abortion and just dissolve any trace of criminal activity that may lead to the perpetrator's arrest without the parents ever being informed that there was a pregnancy to take place so they could protect their child. I think it's absolutely insane. You were able to testify on Tuesday and Thursday. We heard from other women like you bravely putting their stories out there. They've had abortions they're against this, but you only had 90 seconds to try to try to make your point. But do you feel like your story, your testimony made any type of difference? At first, I didn't. I felt like I had failed because I didn't even get to finish my 90 seconds. Um, I think 30 of it, I kept saying introduction. But how, how do you 
plead your case in a minute. Uh, no, I don't. I didn't feel like I was heard. I felt like I let people down. I let I let uninformed mothers down, which means that I I let these unborn babies down. But then I heard later on that afternoon that a couple of House representatives and a couple of senators um, read my testimony, my written testimony. A couple of them that watched me testify said that they were very impacted by my statement. So if there's anything that I can share in regards to this topic that would save a human life and save a mother from becoming herself a victim of emotional, psychological, or moral ramifications or repercussions. You know, I delight myself to lay my testimony out there because my life is not mine. You know, it was bought with a price because there's blood of Jesus who paid the ultimate price for us. You went as far in that letter, Brenda, to say that anyone who votes for this bill has blood on their hands. Yes, I, I believe that. Well, I believe these children cannot speak that for themselves need a voice. I just pray the committee opens their eyes. I hope the public will open their eyes, that they're given eyes in which to see, ears in which to hear, and have an understanding, receiving heart, that abortion is not just physical. It's psychological, it's emotional, it's moral, and your ramifications may not be today or why you think it's best, but, you know, there's always a way. There's always somebody out there who wants to have a child. If you don't want your child, give it to somebody who's paying thousands of dollars for a fertility doctor. Give it to the grandparents who don't want to grieve the loss of the child. You know, there's there's always a way. Alpha News featured a report this past summer. Women who regret their abortions, they meet regularly to protest and to pray outside Planned Parenthood. But I think it's interesting to note that there's a warning put on that video, basically trying to say the procedure is done by a licensed healthcare professional but I think it's kind of a reminder that they try to silence voices like yours. And there is really this follow the money aspect here as well, isn't there? Absolutely. First of all, let me say that it was documented in the last hearing that the license, the doctors that they have at Planned Parenthood to perform these procedures may be licensed doctors in their own practices, but they're not licensed to the abortion. The clinics themselves are not licensed. So the second and even third term abortion where the child is an actual child and the mother's body is ready to give birth, they're not willing to even make the amendment to have the woman have it in a hospital. Well, it was put on record and note that Planned Parenthood is not licensed facilities. So that, again, is another, that lie they're telling the public. They tried to refuse the information that they didn't have to have a license to perform these acts where they should, considering there are women that hemorrhage, there's women that bleed out. And just like with birth with my son, 
you know, there could be complications. In doing some of these stories, talking to, to other women, finding the Lord ha- has helped them and certainly helped you find healing. Absolutely. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And he has set me free. I believe that God is redeeming all the hell that I went through. Um, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And this is my testimony. Well, Brenda Mann, Arjiket, thank you so much for speaking up and for speaking out. If it will save one life, it was worth it. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Brenda. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll see you next time. <laughs>